Okay. <laughs> How you feeling? Funny. I'm feeling funny. I'm no, I'm feeling good. I'm excited. Um, but I'm vibrating a little bit on the inside because I've never shared the story. I know, I know. So we met how long ago? I believe it was 2006. When, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. So we've known each other. And for. the person that you were then and the person you are today, it's just been such an amazing journey. I know. And so I'm thank you for allowing me to be a part of it. Thank you for being part of it. I mean, you did get to see so the biggest part of my growth. Right. Seriously. I mean, right. I've been working on this really since I was 19, but the majority of my healing uh, so far has been from about the last 10 years, really. Right. Exactly. Right? So um, going back a little bit, when, how did you, let's talk about your story. Let's okay. Let's talk about, let's talk about my your story. experience. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, as you know, I, I have one brother mm -hmm. and my parents are, are deceased. My brother, I don't have any contact with him at this point in my life by choice. Um, and so as far back as I can remember, uh, well, let me back up. So let me start with, I really put this whole story together really the last six months. Wow. Where I actually took it from beginning to today, where it all, all the missing pieces that I've been looking for, have found I, I have found. And so I understand the story and understanding the story has really accelerated my healing. Oh, there you go. So what, what happened is, so, um, my abuse started and I'll show you the picture of when okay. it started. Okay. So this is me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> at, um, at, about four years old, three or four years old. Wow. And the reason why this, this picture was so significant is because this is when it really started. Ah. So it's, it's always been a part of my life. It's, it's amazing to me. If somebody looks at a picture of a little girl like this, that, that they could think let's do harm. Right. Right. It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking. It is. Yeah, it is. It's heartbreaking. Cause it even brings tears to my eyes. Cause I think, I think of who I was then, you know, mm -hmm. and and, and it did, it completely changed the direction of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, what I will say is, um, it's, I don't want to say it was worth going through. No, I know what you're going to say, but, mm -hmm. um, the healing that I've done, the growing that I've done and the ability to help other people, right. I would go through it again. Right. Right. To help others. And, and I'm sure that there's going to be people that see this, that aren't going to understand that. Right. Until they begin to heal. Right. And want to help someone else through. Right. Like you know, I, I've always said, and I think I've always said to you that some of the things we go through, other people cannot imagine, No, but if we can help one person, if we can do good with that, then we really have survived and Correct. we really have healed. Right. Right. Exactly. Because so, with every, every person that you help, there is an absolute measure of healing for yourself. 100%. You know, um, when I was doing the childhood abuse healing workshop, you know, before we would prepare for the, the six week class, uh, it was intense and it was a lot of healing and you're usually dealing with something new as you go into it, but it, it it's, it's amazing. It yeah. really is. It's yeah. been quite a journey. I will say. Yeah. We're getting ahead of ourselves. That's okay. I mean, it's okay. We, we want it. We want to get to the story and how you got to the work, you know, where I, will come. Yeah. right. Right. So, so my abuse, um, what I realize now looking back, um, a lot of it was my brother and it was physical, emotional, and verbal abuse. That I know of, I don't believe I had any sexual abuse. I don't have any repressed memories that I have come up or anything. Um, and with my parents, with my father, it was more abandonment mm. because he either would literally, and I mean, physically hide when my brother would act up 
or he would have a good buzz going. Ah, uh, so either way he was hiding. He was hiding. Mm. Um, my mother um, was definitely verbal and emotional abuse. There was some physical abuse as well. Um, and so anyway, it's, it started um, back when I was probably about four. I, at the time I didn't understand, no. right. I don't understand what's going on. It just, I just remember feeling like it's just so unfair every time something would happen. Mm -hmm. And, and because it started so young, I learned to kind of just shut down. Ah. And I can remember my safe place when I was a child was my bedroom mm -hmm. because I could shut the door. And what I would do is I would create my own world. Uh, and I had complete control of that, of that time. And so when I was feeling scared or whatever, I would run to my room. The problem was a lot of times the abusers would come in and invade that space. Sure. And so, um, I won't get into a lot of the details about the abuse. I'll bring up some, maybe some stories that'll help you understand my mindset and then how I kind of work through that. Um, but my brother just, he was an unhappy person. He started doing drugs very young mm -hmm. when he was 13. Oh my. Yeah. And we're not talking marijuana. We're talking very heavy duty drugs. Okay. So he had some stuff going on. Um, he was adopted. Um, and so looking back, you know, there must've been some kind of mental illness that he wasn't addressing. We didn't know how to address. Right. You know, and so many years ago, I yeah. mean, we, you, we've talked about experiences we've had with, you know, friends and, and, and people that we saw. Mm -hmm that were supposedly in treatment, but they didn't know what they know today, right? how to treat that kind Correct. of thing. So. The other thing that was, and I'll bring this up now, that's really critical is there wasn't protection for children then either. No, there were no laws protecting children really like there is today until the 1980s. Wow. So, you know, and, and mental health as well, mm. you know, oh, you were hyper or whatever there, you were a troubled child. They, they never addressed that. No. And my parents didn't know what to do. And our family didn't even know about this. Mm -hmm. You know, they knew my brother was a troubled person, but they didn't understand the depth of it. So there was a lot of secrecy, right? So he's self-medicating and no he's, one understands. And so, and which makes him worse and more unstable. Right. And so he would come home, you know, buzzed on something and just be in a bad mood and ask me a question. And if I didn't answer it right, he would attack me. Mm. And one of the biggest ones that, that stuck out that, that there was a moment where I thought, oh, it's really obvious that no one's going to protect me anymore. So I got to do it myself. And this is a story I will share. And I was probably about 10 or 11. And my parents had another couple over that their friends and they were sitting in the family room and they were, they were, um, just visiting and stuff. And I came home and I went out there to sit with them because I, I love these people. And we were visiting and my brother came home and he walked in the door and I could tell, oh, I could tell just by the look. And so I just paid attention to what everybody else was doing. And he came in and he sat down and he looked at me and he said, what day is it today? And of course, being a 10 year old, I'm like, what? And I got up to walk away because I was like, I am not dealing with this. He jumped over the couch, chased after me, dropped me to the ground, sat on me, choked me until I told him what day it was. Literally, 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 around your throat. literally choking me. And, and your parents. Good question. <laughs> when all was said and done and he stood up, I looked up and they were all just sitting there watching this whole thing. All of them, including the guests, all of them. And they just stood there or they just sat there and I stood there and I'm like, anybody going to do anything? Right. Right. It was clear. No one was going to do a thing. And they kind of went back to talking and 
I went to my room. Did it make you feel like this behavior was normal? It did. Well, yes and no. That's a good question because it felt normal because it was my normal. Correct. But I knew it wasn't normal. But you knew something was wrong. I knew it. something. I just didn't know the depth of it, what it was. Mm-hmm. And my, my thing, and it still kind of sticks in my head. The, the thought that comes in my head is this isn't fair. What, what's going on? Why are you okay with this? Mm-hmm. Why are you okay? Did, were you, uh, this may not even be the right question. And so I apologize, but were you ever like, did he threaten? You can't talk about it. I mean, was no. there any of that? There was no. none of that. You just knew not to. I, and that is a great question because that comes up to today Correct. of my secrecy about it. And I don't, the only thing that comes to mind is shame. Shame is what kept my mouth shut and my belief system about me and my value. Mm. And then you top it with some, some shame and, you know, it, it's a perfect storm for keeping your mouth shut. Do, do you know, I, I, someone told me once I was dealing with something that certainly not at this level, but. But I actually it was a priest and he said to me, you are judging that little girl mm. with an adult brain. Yes. Like you should have known you yes. should have done. Yes. And is that part of the healing process to yes. understand that that was a little girl who that, couldn't have done. That was the game changer for me. Mm. That was a game changer. And that's what's happened over the last six months is I'm realizing that little girl was alone mm. and dealing with this with her little mind, she, she was alone. She was afraid. She didn't have anybody to turn to. There wasn't a safe adult. I didn't have anybody in school help me. I didn't have parents, friends. I mean, because they didn't know. And so, right. Well, if you, you feel like if you can't trust the people in your own home, how do you trust anybody outside of that? Right. And I've said for a long time, it's been my foundation that was so shaken up and, and never, you know, laid right, I guess is the best way to put it, to mm-hmm. build something on it. Mm-hmm. Cause it was so broken. Um, I can remember having a visual of that in my life of, okay. yes, that, that was, Tell that was, about that. that was That's really interesting. Interest. That's very interesting. So it was probably about 15 plus years ago mm-hmm. and I was going through a growth spurt and I, I was a mess and I didn't, I don't think you and I knew each other then. I think it was before you and I met. And, um, and I was sitting there and it was just like, God gave me this vision that my foundation was completely screwed up. Mm -hmm. And I visioned a house that was crooked and, you know, it couldn't stand upright. And the foundation, not only was it cracked, it was like pieces were lifting up and there was actually weeds growing through it. Oh my gosh. That's that's how my bad, my foundation was, Mm -hmm. I could see it. Mm -hmm. And I felt like he's saying, we're going to tear this baby up. And we are going to lay a new foundation. And I felt like I went through hell going through that. Well, you did. And it was, Mm -hmm. it was quite a stretch because that might've happened right before. Yes. Um, Because when you and I met, you were very, very guarded. I know. Um, Even in, in so many conversations that we had um, and, and you were, you had that revelation, but you were still holding on Mm -hmm. to, I can't talk about it. No, there was absolute shame in that. Mm. And, and I was telling you earlier, and I'll bring it up now, mm-hmm. I think, because I'm realizing now in my life how much I didn't share um, and 
I'll share this too. I, I had a girlfriend um, who just came over. She lives in Hawaii and she's been here for a few weeks and we've been having lunch and she's known me since I was 15. Uh-huh. So she's watched and she actually lived with us for a short time. So she got to witness some stuff, but I realized before I had lunch with her, I'm like, I don't remember ever sharing with her. I wonder if I did. And so I asked her and she said, no, you never shared. And she said, I knew things were bad because I, I, I knew you didn't get along with your brother and I witnessed some of his yelling, but she said, you never said anything. And I think the root of that is absolutely shame. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Every single person I have dealt with that has been abused has shame in one form or another. And it is crippling. There is nothing good about shame. No. And you, you blaming yourself. Oh, it's all my thinking that you could have been able to control that. Your parents didn't control it. There's no way that you could have as a child. Right. But you, but, but you have no mechanism to tell yourself. Right. Right. Mm. Right. And so what I was, I was saying earlier is I think, you know, the reason why I didn't share is, is because of the shame. It just, it, it completely, if if I share it with you, then you're going to know something and then you're going to use it against me. Oh, very real. Oh, because that's, was my life as a child. If there, and like I was sharing with you, my perfectionism problem <laughs> came from that because, oh, if there's a hair out of place, I would get chastised for it. Mm. I would either told, be told I didn't brush my hair enough or my brother had a heyday with it. Oh, your ears are sticking out or something. Right. right. So, so, okay. If I'm perfect and, and I don't share, then nobody can hurt me. You know what I think is really important in this? I just want to, because we're going to move on to like your relationships and stuff. Oh yeah. And I know we're going to go there, but I think it's really important for anyone listening to this who maybe was not a victim of abuse, but we were all formed by people in our lives who were things like that. Correct. Like, you know, your mom saying, oh, you cut your hair. Well, they left it really square. I, this is my mother. They left <laughs> it really square. Oh, but it looks good. Oh. You know, like, oh. You know, oh, Thanks, mom. And, and you're supposed to feel good about that. But all I ever heard was the negative, you know, the negative. Right. Right. And so it's really funny because my husband will say, you know, a hundred people could say you're doing a great job and one person's going to go eh, and you're going to focus on that totally. one person. And totally. so it's a little bit human nature. So even it is. people who've not been to that depth Correct. have been molded by those around them. Exactly knowing or not. And and that's really true. And that's, and that's the big thing about my podcast is it's, it's going to be for yes, certainly for people who are healing from their childhood abuse, but people who just want to grow, they, they don't have a big traumatic childhood, right? But they just want to grow. And and things happen to us in our life that change the direction of where we're going. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes we can get back on track and sometimes Mm -hmm. we can't, Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. 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 So, so then fast forward a little bit, right. You, you got married. Well, let's, let's back up even a little bit more because um, my mom, I lost my mom when I was 16. Oh, that's right. So, so what's interesting that I realized is it, you know, I'll say I was a pretty little girl. You were, this is an angel. Oh, this is an angel. She's just a pretty little girl. And my mom loved dressing me up. Oh, Easter. Yes. You too. Right. Yes. So yes. we got our Poofy dress. Oh yes. And our little hats, our little gloves, our little purse, our little frilly socks and little shoes. I loved Easter because we would go shopping and yeah. my mom loved to dress me up. There you go. So what happened when I was about in seventh grade, that's when I started gaining weight. Oh, I forgot about this. Yeah. Okay. This is All a right. huge one. So the abuse from my brother was significant throughout my whole life. The abuse from my mom really stepped up about then. 
Mm. And the reason why I put on weight, I look back now and I totally understand why is mm. I was emotional eating. Sure. That was, that was a way that I was coping with this stuff I was going through. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it. My mom went and bought the goodies and put them in the house. And she was nice and skinny because she smoked cigarettes, drink coffee. <laughs> um, and so she started on me about my weight Ooh. and she, um, the thing that frustrated me, I mean, I didn't, I had no clue why I was putting on weight. I honest to God, I had no idea. No idea. Well, no, you, you no, know, you know, <laughs> you were again, still a young girl. Yeah. You know, and I think back and she would just chastise me about my weight. And I think back and I'm like, but you're buying the goodies that I'm eating and you're not helping me do something different. Cause I don't, I, I didn't know why I was put on right. weight. So I don't know how to take it off. And so she got real, that's when the abuse really amped up for her mm. was, and then, you know, I'm a teenager. So of course I'm going to get mouthy and, you know, so I struggled with my weight and it was so bad. The one thing that she said to me, she said, I am, you know what? I'm not going to buy you any school clothes mm. until you lose that weight. Oh my goodness. And the big thing was every year, you know, new clothes, new clothes. And then the summer I get new clothes. Right. Um, and I, I, I didn't know how to lose the weight. So she didn't buy me the clothes. And I got finally down to one shirt and one pair of shorts. And my dad got livid and took me out and took me shopping. Took you shopping. So she went from spending all this time and attention, dressing you up to, you're not worthy of my time and attention. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. Mm. Bingo. Mm. And so, um, so I struggled with that. And then by the time I got into high school and I wasn't a lazy girl, I was really active. I was out playing all the time. So it wasn't like I was just sitting there eating, but I was eating in the evening. Mm. I would eat. I just remember I would eat from like, like after, after dinner. Right you know, yes. All yes. the way till I went to bed. Right. Well, yeah. You know, so then about, um, my freshman year, um, my mom found out she had breast cancer. Okay. Um, and it was advanced. I didn't know it at the time, but it was advanced. Um, and of course back then they didn't have any of the screening like they do now. So by the time they catch it, it's pretty, pretty bad. Mm -hmm. It's pretty bad. And she was on chemotherapy for a year. Mm -hmm. She was really sick. Um, and then she went into remission for a very short time. And then, you know, I, I'm coming home from school and I'm seeing her laying on the couch and I'm trying to understand what's going on with her. And, um, finally I cornered my dad one day and I said, what is going on with mom? And he's got tears in his eyes and he said, well, the cancer's back. And I said, well, is she going to be okay? And he said, I don't know with tears in his eyes, but he knew at the time it was terminal. Okay. So you didn't share it. Hard to me. tell your children, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine. Um, but he flat out lied to me. He flat out lied to me. But okay. So, so is that how you felt at the time or do you feel like, or have you given him enough grace to think he was trying to protect you? He was trying to protect me. He definitely was trying to protect me. I, I know that to be true. Yeah. Um, I just wouldn't do that to my son. Yeah. I well, now that. that you're a mom, you've got a different perspective. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 the, and, and I'll finish the story and then you'll understand maybe a little more. Okay. Um, I understand why he did it. Um, and, and so I don't remember that was just probably months before she died. And so the next several months, you know, I'm helping, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm coming home from school. I'm going to the grocery store. I'm buying groceries. I'm starting dinner. I'm giving her shots. You know, we're doing this for months and one week she's doing great. 
She doesn't need any help walking. She doesn't need any shots of morphine. She's doing great. And next week I lost her. Mm -hmm. And so what happened is the whole time they're telling me, oh no, no, she's good. She's good. And um, she got rushed to the hospital. I didn't know that. And so I go up to the hospital and how I find out she's dying is the doctor's in the room with her. My dad is downstairs somewhere and he walks out and says, Hmm, I gave her three days. Maybe she'll make it through the night and walks off. And that's how I found out my mom was dying. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So what did you do in that moment? Um, I wanted to hit the doctor. Sure. I wanted to hit the doctor. So I turned around and walked away and all, a lot of her friends were there and they were chasing after me. And, and then I saw my dad walk up and he's a mess and he's crying. And I'm like, what's going on? I mean, last week she was doing great. Like what? I mean, this is what a lie can do. Yeah. Oh, devastating. I mean, you just, you pulled out every single rug out from under me that you possibly could. And I don't think that parents understand sometimes Correct. what children hold on to. You never know what it's going to be. Correct. Right. Right. And so you do the best you can. And right. So like, I've never blamed my parents for things that I've discovered about why I am who right. I am today. I, I've never blamed them. They did the best that they could. And, uh, but, but at, in the, in the moment, mm-hmm. there's just almost no forgiveness for that. Yeah. It, it, yeah. And I, you know, I look back and I look at the whole picture of my dad and my dad was, he lived in fear. Yeah. Complete fear. And, you know, it was later on in life that, that I looked back and I realized that my dad at that moment was becoming a widow, mm-hmm. a single father, mm-hmm. you know, the love of his life, truly the love of his life is going to be gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I put myself, tried to put myself in his shoes and it did absolutely give me empathy and compassion. Sure. It just, it really did. And so I lost her and, um, you know, and, and again, I, I didn't get any help. There wasn't a lot out there, but I would think at school, like your counselors would reach out to you, your teachers, nobody did. Right. Well, okay. But going back those years, I mean, did you really have, I mean, at that point, because when I was in school and I know I'm a little ahead of you, but, but there were no counselors. We had counselors in high school. Okay. But they really were, you know, they were to help you get academic counselors, really not like now they've got support for, right. No, 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 they, they, they don't. And, you know, and it, again, I'm trying to fumble through this, Mm. you know, trying to figure it out with my, and at that time I was 16 years old when I lost her and, you know, I didn't have a lot of life experiences, obviously. Right. And that's a big one. And none of my friends could help me. I didn't have any friends that had been through this and they can help me. So my dad really shut down at this point. Okay. Cause she was really, my mom really was his world. She was his social. She was his everything. Mm. Um, and he struggled. And right after she died, he looked me in the eye and said, you need to quit school and you need to go get a job. I can't afford to support you. Oh my goodness. 16 years old. He told you to quit school. Told me to quit school. Did you in fact quit school? Oh no, I did not. Okay. No, I did not. I said, I'll get a job. I have no problem getting a job, but I am not quitting school. Good for you. Um, and you know, he fought me the whole time on it. And then, um, when I turned 18, um, I got my mom's social security because, um, I was going, I was continuing on with school. He wanted that money. Sure. You know, so what my dad also taught me in all that was the whole fear of money. I learned to fear money from my father. 
So when you say fear of money, what do you mean by that? Always feeling like I could lose it. I can't make oh, it. I, I oh, my God. oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. So now you have a scarcity mindset. You don't think you're worthy. You've got <laughs> shame. Should we pile on? Oh, yeah. We can pile on with you more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Feeling worthy at all. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, and, 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 and oops, and there's no, va- and there's no value in, in, in me. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so in all that, some of the, some, I call them symptoms that came out of this for me was people pleasing, right. having no boundaries myself and not honoring other people's boundaries, relationship problems, which we'll go into, mm-hmm. um, just how I felt about myself. I, I lived in constant chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's what I knew. So my life, my adult life was chaos, mm-hmm. you know, um, so yeah. So what, what's the next question you have? So, Where should so, we go from here? So the next question, were, were there high school boyfriends or was, uh, hubby? No. First? Okay. So, so, um, cause this, this manifests I and mean, when we're talking about relationships, it, it can mean so many things. So sure. I want anyone hearing this to know that that means friendships. It means it means Boyfriends. everything. It means, it means everything, everything, relationship Every... with yourself to begin oh, with, but then, 100%. but then moving on to, uh, Boy friends, friends that like, friends. like this friend that you've just reacquainted with or, or, or seeing, and she's saying, no, you never said a word. So we know that. Right. So then you have boyfriends. So how does that? Well, boyfriends I chased. Ah, and you want to know why hmm. I wanted to be loved. Right. I just wanted to be loved. And when I look back on it, of course, there's that shame wants to come up, mm-hmm. but it was what I did in my pain. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn to forgive myself right, for that. So the, so the relationships were, Oh, I gotta have someone that loves me. So if a boy showed interest, Oh, correct. Correct. And yeah. you know that to be true. Yes, I do know that to be true. You got to I have an some experience I'll be able to share. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and not knowing it. And then of course, what would they do? Ooh. And then what would I do? Oh, right. So it was this back and forth and I would chase them because I just wanted to be loved. I just wanted to be loved. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I think back now, that was like the little record that played in the back of my head all the time. Right. Right. Did you find that you, um, I, I'm speaking from some experience that you sabotage those relationships before they could hurt you or did you see them to the end? Oh no, I saw them to the end. Okay. No, I saw them to the end. I'm sure I did some self-sabotaging, but it wasn't, I wanted the relationship. I wanted to be loved. So I would do the people pleasing. I would do whatever they want, not to, you know, to a certain degree Mm -hmm. because I wanted them to stay. Correct. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Because that, that could be different for many people. Oh, sure. You know, people Mm -hmm. who feel like they're not worthy or are consistently hurt. Right. You know, then they're pushing people away before they can hurt them. Correct. Right. That's very common. So, yeah. So then how did you, uh, how did you settle down? How did you, what made you? Yeah. Well, and how how did you choose? How did that happen? How did I end up where I'm at today? (laughs) No. Hubby. Hubby. Let's talk about hubby. Oh, the first hubby. First hubby. I didn't know whether to say first or not. So married three times. I know, I know, I know. I know that, but I wasn't sure. I was, where are we going? We're going to be authentic and very transparent I here. It. I love it. Um, and so, um, I met my first husband, actually we were friends for a few years. I met him actually right after my mom died when I was 16. Oh, okay. So we were friends for a, a couple of years. Um, cause I had a boyfriend and he had a girlfriend and we just would hang out and party together. Um, and then when I was about 19, a relationship started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will tell you 
the exact, I guess it's unconscious thought that ran through my head. This is the only man on the face of the earth that will love me. Mm. So you, so you feel like you had to stay in it because oh, yeah. He's nobody else would love you. Right. And I, I want to be loved. Right. I'm looking yeah. for love. And so he loves me. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to screw that up. Right. I'm not going to give that up, even though he was not treating me well from the minute we got together. So what did that look like? Um, a lot of lying. Mm-hmm. He even stole from me. Mm. Yeah. Before mm. we, yeah. But he's the only man that's going to love me. And I'm saying this, like, I'm not, I don't want him out to be the bad guy. No, no, this is not about him at all. It's about you and what, I mean, because you created that. Correct. I allowed it. You could have walked away. You could have, correct. you know, but, but that's where you were at that point in your life. Right. And so this was acceptable. Correct. I put up the trade-off. It It was the trade-off for love. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I was going to have to live with in order to have love. Right. Because he's the only guy that's going to love me. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of frightening to think back on that and, and what I did. And so it was not a good marriage for either one of us. And And you were married a long time. So let's put this in perspective. How many years? We were married 25 25. and together about 30. Yeah. So we were together a long time. Um, and really what happened in the end of that part of it is I outgrew him. Mm, You started to heal. Yeah. And, and, and I didn't want to live like that. I didn't want to live in the chaos and I didn't want to live with the lies. And I didn't, I didn't want to do it. And I didn't want anything bad to happen to him, but I just didn't want to be around that anymore. I was, I was done. Now, did your son, cause you know, your son at this point is a, is, you know, a, a young man. Yeah. And, um, did he have something to do with you saying, I've got to, I've got to make a decision here. I've got to do Ooh. this. Did he have, because, you know, That's as a, a mom, question. You know, we we're overprotect we're protective with our children, yeah. and I'm and I'm wondering, you know, when you make a decision, you you know, I've been divorced, and my decision had a big part to do with what I'll put up with for myself. I would not put up with for my child. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you had that experience. Yeah, that did that definitely did. I mean, the forefront was definitely. I felt like I had to stop it. Correct. And yeah, it was for me and for my son. Um, and, and just, yeah, the craziness and I, and it was affecting my son and he was lying to him as well. Mm. And I don't think I know him well enough to know that when he said stuff, he probably meant it at the time, but he didn't follow through. Mm. Mm. And still looked like so he wasn't intending to lie. He wasn't intending. He just couldn't. He just couldn't. He had, you know, it's really two people came together who were hot messes Mm. and tried to have a marriage. I think a lot of people, uh, I think something that I learned in that, in that arena is, you know, we marry people, but we don't take into account what they're bringing into it from their Mm -hmm. background. And it won't work if you don't have either similar experiences or you're striving for some Mm -hmm. experience, right? Right. Because, you know, knowing that, you know, this person, their father treated their mother this way. So they think that's totally okay. Right. And this person, you know, parents were loving and whatever, and that's the expectation. Well, that, that doesn't, right. Doesn't jive. Right. Right. So, right. And exactly. And, you know, and it's just, it's what, it's just what you know and what you're bringing into the marriage. And, and then, yeah, if they clash and you don't know how to work that through. Correct. And we were both really young when we got married. And I think emotionally we were even younger than we were. Right. And so, you know, it, it, we, we did go into it 
probably both with the same ideas, you know, we love each other and we're going to make this work. And, you know, um, he just, yeah. Yeah. But, and so 25 years, you now, I, I remember very distinctly mm-hmm. how long it took you to even say out loud that yeah. he was out of the house and that he was gone. Yeah. I hid it from everybody for a long time for, I mean, and we were pretty, we were pretty close. We then. were really close then and you were probably the closest girlfriend. And yet I didn't share it with you, which, which is a revelation, right? We'll talk about that. friendship. But, but I just remember when you told me how long it had been and that basically you were kind of laid up like non-functioning. Oh, I, yeah. I, I was talk not, about that. A little yeah. Bit? Yeah. So, um, so even though you knew it to be right, yeah. talk about what that process was still Ooh. like, you know, that triggered the big abandonment issue that I had in my life. Right. Cause I've had a lot, I've had pure abandonment well, growing up. Mm-hmm. And so what happened is, I mean, we fought bad. It was, and, and that was the thing I didn't want Corey to be exposed to my son. Mm-hmm. I did not want him being exposed to the screening matches that we had. And mm-hmm. I am not proud of that at all. And I've apologize both to my ex-husband for that and my son as well. Um, and so he finally, he left, he walked out, he ran, he hid, which is what he had had a history of doing. And so I married my father. Ah, I married my father. There it is. Yep. I married my father. <laughs> Our yeah. poor fathers. Yeah. Right? Our poor fathers. We, 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 when we say things like that, it's like, Hmm. Yeah. So, oh, that didn't sit well. And Cause I'll tell you, I don't know if I didn't tell you this. I'll tell you a real quick story about one time when I was young and my brother was in one of his screaming matches. I don't remember if he was screaming at my mom, they would get in really bad screaming matches. And I remember looking around for my dad. Where's, where's my dad? Where's my dad? He literally hid in the bedroom. Mm. He literally went to the furthest corner in his bedroom and hid. So you learned that the bedroom was a safe space. For I did. <laughs> I mean, he was doing it for me. True. I learned that from my father as well. So I just married a man who was emotionally not there. Yeah. Yep. Right. And and you didn't even know that at that point. I didn't realize it. No, I didn't realize it. And so he left and I didn't tell anybody because I really thought we were going to get back together. I think, I think, and I could be wrong about the timing. It seems to me it was three months yes. of you mustering down mm-hmm. and before you actually set it out you're right you're right I think it was three months I think it was because mm-hmm. we were actually supposed to go on a trip together mm-hmm. and we couldn't because I couldn't leave mm-hmm. so yeah that's about right it was about three months so can we back up just a little bit yep. before that yeah you made a statement just a little while ago because you outgrew him so talk mm-hmm. about the processes that 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 put you in a place where that's that where you had the the power and authority to even fight back. And like the screaming matches you're talking about. I mean, I know that was you trying to fight back. Yeah. So, so tell me what you were doing. What was the road you were on that caused you to say, uh, this is not okay. Yeah. What, what was the work? That's a good question. So, you know, I, I started the whole journey when I was 19. Right. But as at about this time, like probably about a year or two before he left, I really was aware of we were in a cycle. It was a cycle. Our, he was in a cycle, which took us in a cycle. And I was riding the cycle with him. I was allowing it. And it was just this constant, um, things would go good. 
and then something would happen and then we'd fight and then we'd make up. And it was just constant, constant. And so I knew I needed to change that. Mm-hmm. And so there were just little tweaks in me that I started changing that worked for me. It didn't work for the relationship, right? but it was working for me. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to feel healthier. I was starting to heal more. So I knew I was headed on the right track and I was taking more and more steps within myself to change me so that I wouldn't always be so reactive with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get very successful with that until after he left, of course, of course, but you had already started doing the, work Oh yeah. With women. Yeah. It started to do the work. Oh yeah. That's, that's kind of where I was going Oh, okay. because uh, you're right. And, and the, and the Bible study and, and there were, there was work right. that was happening. That's true. And, and you were doing it for other people, but it really was impacting you. Absolutely. So yeah, you're right. Let me, let me bring that up. So for eight years, um, and this was, uh, in the mid, I think between 2000 and 2010, I don't remember exactly. It was about mm-hmm. eight years that I co-facilitated a workshop through church when I was going to church and it's the childhood abuse healing workshop. And it was an eight week program where we, we only have about 12 to 15 women that would come in and we would help them walk through the healing from their childhood abuse. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then we also, which was really powerful, we would have a one-on-one or two-on-one personal healing session. So, so the other person, her name was Beverly, her and I would meet with the person and we would do a three hour, just deep healing session. And so, yeah, every time you do one of those, you're going to go through your own stuff, your own stuff. And it would come up and I would work through it. And it would always prepare me for the workshop as well as my personal life. So you're right. Those are, that's probably the thing, the catalyst that really right. helped my healing. Cause you can't help, but heal. I mean, you'd have right. to really fight it not to heal. Correct. Correct. So, so yeah, you're right. And so I did that. I, yeah, we did the workshop for eight years and I think you're right. That is um, a big part of my push. Mm-hmm. And then once I got out of, we, we stopped doing the workshop. Um, I still was doing stuff on my own. Mm-hmm. My biggest thing is I would listen to Joyce Meyer. I know. I still love that woman. We 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 uh, profound. We we had trips together. On, yes, we did. Yeah. It was wonderful. Oh, I, I still love her. Oh my God, she's just wonderful. She she really um, helped do a lot of the inner healing too because she has kind of she has a similar background. She was mm-hmm. severely abused. I think it's important when people talk about abuse, they don't actually people may have a preconceived notion of what that means. Yeah. You know, does that mean sexual? Does that mean abuse comes in so many forms and people may sit in judgment that one is worse than another, but, but abuse is abuse. Abuse is abuse. And, you know, it's interesting. One of the women in the workshop, um, she was coming to the workshop to support her friend. Right. 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 And I was sitting, I was visiting with her and she said, well, you know, I wasn't abused. I'm here for, you know, I'm here for Liz. I'm here to help Liz to support her. You know, my father was an alcoholic, but I wasn't abused. And I looked at her and I said, you were abused. You were an alcoholic is going to neglect you. They might be a fun alcoholic. Doesn't matter, but they're not meeting your needs. A -hmm. child does not need to be entertained by a drunk adult. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you're right. It comes in many forms and everybody reacts different. Right. And, um, And so one of the things coming up that I did is I had the victim mindset and I've seen the victim mindset kind of in two ways. I'm sure there's more, but the, what I witnessed in doing this workshop is, um, I took the mindset of a victim of, 
okay, everybody, I was abused. So you have to be nice to me and you just have to understand. Mm. Now that was in the back of my mind. Mind you, I wasn't doing this in the forefront of my mind, but that was my mindset. Right. And so I took no notice on my behavior. And this is before I really started healing. This is before I knew you think, oh, right. It was bad. I mean, I just, I had, I was not aware. Ah. And so the victim mindset I had was you just all have to be nice to me. And I, I, I don't have any responsibility in what happens to me. Right. Right. And then Beverly who co-facilitated with me, she had a victim mindset that was very different. And I've seen both of these and hers was, oh no, you victimized me. You're never doing it again. And I'm going to be in complete control Mm -hmm. and I'm going to manage this whole thing. So she did, she would be, you know, she admits she was promiscuous and stuff, but it was her making that decision, her choice. Right. Right. And, and, and knowing her even later in life, you know, knowing her, uh, that was really apparent. Right. Right. Like, uh, you know, she's yeah. going to lay down the law. Right. It's going to be her way. We're yeah. doing this. And, and if you pushed back on her at all, it was almost battle. It was, it yeah. was. And then that's just her thing. I mean, that's right. not negative about her. Right. Anyway. right. It just, she was very staunch in her right. position. Right. Right. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and so I see that a lot. And so I took that victim mindset. And so I took that into my marriage as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and so that's why there was a screaming matches. I wasn't taking responsibility for my part in it at all. Ah. Well, I would, I would, when I would calm down, but when I was in the midst of that rage, anger, cause it was always there. Um, yeah, it was. And what I realized too, is I was living in survival mode. Always. I didn't realize that until recently. And it's crazy because my stress level was always right here because mm-hmm. I was living in survival mode and I literally was. Mm-hmm. And if anything happened, boom, it didn't take much. Right. And boom, I was off to the races. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And it would go from here to over the top. And so that is what I took into this marriage. And, um, you know, so he walked out and the healing process, the biggest thing, one of the biggest things for me, mm-hmm. and you know, this one mm-hmm. is learning that I had no control over anybody else, but me. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I was very angry. Mm-hmm. I can tell you exactly where I was at sitting in the living room. I was mad because once again, he made a promise and broke it. And we were trying to make things work. And it was just this constant up and down, up and down. I was done. And I just remember being so angry and stood up and was just screaming in the house by myself. Mm. And just realized at that moment, I have no control over any of this. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And it was, you know, two lives also untangling. That's a long time to be together. That's a lifetime. lifetime. I, you know, his family was my family. We were very close. Um, But what I really realized Mm -hmm. is I married my family. Yeah. I did. And I still love them. I still care about them. I absolutely, I nothing negative at all. We all have our stuff. And see, that's it right there. Um, You know, people don't understand when you call out a behavior. It doesn't mean you don't love that person. It doesn't mean you don't cherish them, but it does mean that that behavior is not okay. Right. And that needs to be okay with you to be able to say that. Right. And the thing that separates, this is really interesting. What came to my mind when you say that is, um, say that again, say that again. It doesn't matter. It's the behavior, right? 
It's not the person. I can care about you, but I don't appreciate this behavior. And then you have someone like me who makes a mistake and that becomes my identity. Okay, give me an example of what you mean. Um, if I make a mistake, um, if I accidentally hurt someone, Ooh. can't let it go. Couldn't let it go. I would go down the list of what an awful, horrible person I am. Oh my goodness. Oh, it would, the overthinking would go into overdrive. The times that I've hurt you and I've recognized it, <laughs> like there were times I didn't sleep. Seriously. Honest to God. Wow. Well, that's also part of me being an empath. And that was an out of balance empath as well. Sure. But, oh, it's devastating. And it becomes my identity. Okay, I'm a horrible person. I put labels on myself all the time. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, that, but, but, but giving yourself grace, you didn't know how to do anything other than that. No, because nobody gave me grace. Well, right. And, and nobody, nobody helped you understand that that's okay. I mean, I, I meet people, there's a couple of things that people say, and they say it off the cuff. And I don't think that they realize the right. depth of it. Right. When they say something like, well, you know, so-and-so thinks you hate them. And I, my <laughs> response is always the same. I don't know them well enough to hate them. I love it. Do you know what I mean? Like, Great like response. do you understand the depth of what you're saying? Right. I mean, you know, I have an ex-husband. I don't hate him. No. You know what I mean? Like, I, no. I, hate is just, it's such a, but for me, that's just huge. That's a small pocket of people that you could put in that category. And I can't think of anybody right now that I hate. Correct. That I would, that I would put that much emotion or energy Correct. into. Right. Hating. Right. Right. I, I'll dismiss you from my life. Right. But I'm not going to invest any energy in hate. No. And so, so it's interesting. And that's why I think I've always had that perspective with you. It's like, no, no, it's this behavior. Right. It's not you as a person. It's, it's this. Right. It's this. And Can we fix this. And we've <laughs> talked about that where we, we separate the person mm -hmm. from what they do. Correct. Because you can still love a person right where they're at. Right but you don't love what they're doing. Right. Right. And, and that's okay. But for all that you've been through, you've always been really good at that. You, really? I, you have. And since, I, since you've known me, since, <laughs> I've known, since I've known you, we can qualify it there. Yeah. But, but I, I think it's that empathy that allows you to do that. Right. Like we don't know what their story is. And so this behavior, you know, yeah. I think you've said it here. I don't think they intended to do this, oh, but this is what they did. Right. And, and there are bad people out there that do intend to hurt you. Sure. Right. But not um, the masses. Not, no, I think the most part people just, they don't mean to hurt you. It's not their intent. Right. Um, and, and I don't think that my ex-husband intended to hurt me at any time. He just has his own stuff and, you know, I, I, I wish him well. Right. 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 And then, and in all that, and we've talked about this and I, I'm going to bring it up is about my voice. And the lack thereof, mm. right? So, in all this, I, I started to get a voice, and we've talked about this. So, my voice got shut down, right, as a child, because it didn't matter if I said something bad or whatever, depending on the person on the other end, if they weren't in a receiving mode, I would get it. So, I learned to shut up. Well, they literally choked it out of you. Yeah, they literally. Choked, they literally did. That's a good point. I mean, they, if you really want to put a fine line on it literally choked it out of you. Oh my God. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So finding that voice. You can see why the voice got shut down and, and, and I physically couldn't bring it up. Mm -hmm. Right. So 
you know, and, and all this I've been told over the years, oh, you're so private. You're so secretive. Part of that is not with you, but with others that it wasn't a safe place, but I went, I didn't feel safe with anybody. I was just going to say, because to some degree we've been through it. Oh, absolutely. You and I, we're going to talk about it because even if I was a safe place, you couldn't perceive what that looked like. Cause I never had it. Right. See, that's the thing that I'm realizing about myself. And this is where my grace is coming in is I'm realizing, oh, you know, and it's not a boohoo. It's, it's, it's all I know. Mm-hmm. It's all I know. When we're born, we're a blank slate <laughs> and our parents teach us what we take into our adult life. Whether they're trying to teach you or not. Right. By action. I certainly learned what mother not to be. And you've been a wonderful mother. Thank you. You've been a wonderful mother. It, thank you. Yeah. Corey's a blessing. He is. Yeah. He is. God gave me a true blessing for yeah, sure. Did. Um, and so the voice. So yeah, I got choked out of me. Mm-hmm. And so over the years, you know, I, I just like, I didn't talk about my, my abuse too much. Um, and then you and I have had our conversation about that. Cause you will explain like, well, before, before we go there, you also had a business relationship, a business partnership oh, when, yes. early on. Yes. And you wouldn't, even though you knew, and even though you and I mm-hmm. talked many, many a time, mm-hmm. that was kind of where my coaching of you came. Oh from, yeah. Um, to uh, kind of get you to see that this relationship was not a positive one for you. Yeah. You know, uh, this was not a friendship then, and you were holding on to it because we were friends because, because yeah. you and this person were friends and it really was not serving you. And it took a long time mm-hmm. for you to say out loud, this is not okay with me. Oh, totally. It did. Yeah. What? A couple of years, a couple of years. And, and, you know, the thing is that I, I just think it's important to, to mention it because we said, we're talking about all kinds of relationships. Oh, yeah. So it's friendships in high school that you didn't share with. It's a husband that you could not trust or rely on mm-hmm. or so that didn't serve that relationship didn't serve you You in a business relationship that didn't serve right. you. So in all this time you're learning and you're finding your voice. Right. But I mean, it's not a, it's not an overnight oh. aha moment. Now all things are good. Right. I mean, it's, it's the work in progress. And I think yeah. that people need to understand that. It definitely is a work in progress. And the good thing is, you know, today there's much more out there to help you than then mm-hmm. there wasn't the coaches. There was, there was therapists and, and, and I did do that. And that certainly helped. Um, but there wasn't a lot of help out there for right. people. Right. You know, a lot of times it was me and God, right. A lot of times it was just being God. Well, I, I'll never forget. Okay. So we'll talk about our relationship. I'll never forget. You came into my office and, and you asked, I, I don't even remember how we started the conversation or you knew that I was not feeling particularly happy at the moment with you. Yes. And, um, and I said to you, I said, you know, all of this has happened and now you're in a good place, right? Marriage has ended. Uh, I got into a relationship. Yeah. You got into a new relationship right. and then, you know, what happened to our relationship right? kind of thing. And, and I just felt like, okay, maybe we're just colleagues. Oh my I gosh. remember feeling that. Do you remember oh, that? We talked. Oh, about I do. And I that said, was well, one of the, if we're, this is one of your personal moments. I know. Oh, it, no, I, it's okay. If we're just colleagues, that's okay. I just thought it was more because I mean, gosh, you know, we, we moved you out of your house. And oh, you've been big there, part of mine. Right. And so I just had that, that feeling yeah. from you that, that that was that push pull thing. So you, right. you were kind of retracting. Right. And you said to me, but you're probably my best friend in the world. And I looked at you like, 
Seriously? Yeah, you <laughs> did say you, you did, did say that. that. You did. And rightfully so. And how would I know that? You know, and then we came to this place where you just didn't recognize. And this is again where yeah. you said your behavior, you just were unaware. Completely. Just completely unaware. And so we got through that and just moved forward. And, right. You know, but but it was just such a pivotal moment it in was this he, relationship. It totally was for both of us. Right. Because we, I mean, that shows you how different we both saw it. Correct. Correct. And that is big for people to understand, like, you know, and, and I'm glad that you said that mm-hmm. because who knows where our relationship would be today. If, if you didn't, well, to me, it was, worth, it was worth fighting. Well, for, yeah. Right. 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 And right. we know that now. And I didn't realize that that's how you were feeling. Yeah. I had no clue. I knew well, because all, you were in your own world. I was in my own world. Yeah. I thought, Oh, I found love again. I'm good. And then I married a narcissist. <laughs> Full on narcissist, didn't yeah. know it, and bless his heart, he's he's gone to heaven, and yes, I yes. I wish him the yes, best. Yes. Uh, that was, I, I I didn't know he was a narcissist even when the stuff was happening. It wasn't until like recently when I they start putting a label on it. It was nutsy. It was complete nuts. I won't get into too much detail there because Dennis right. isn't here to, to <laughs> can't defend himself. God bless himself. him. But um. You know, and it was, again, I was still in that mindset of, I got to find love. You know, it's really interesting. I'd like to ask you about something that I've never asked you. Go for so it. Are you ready? Go for it. So at the end of your marriage and at, after Dennis passed, you know, so both marriages, right? you took like after Dennis, it, it almost like you didn't even take a heartbeat. I want this all cleared up. I'm moving on with my life. You did the same thing with Mark. I'm moving out of the house. I'm starting my life. And, and it was really interesting how you, when you finally were mm-hmm. there, you just like, yeah, we're done. Yeah. I'm done yeah. with this and we're moving yeah. on. So where did that strength come from? Or was it strength or was it running? How do you, how would you identify that? Cause I've never really asked. That's you. a good question because, and that is, that is something that I have done. Like when I finally get to the end of something, I'm done. Takes you a while to get there, but it takes me a while to get there. And I give way more opportunity probably than I should, or I, I, I should have at the time. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the strength is. And with, with, with Mark, I remember sitting and having a conversation and this was after I don't know how many months of me trying to work it out with him and it just wasn't working and it wasn't working. And, and I remember you and I having the conversation sitting in that hotel room and I just looked at you, we were just like this. And I looked at you and I said, he's given me too much time. I've learned to live without him. Correct. I remember you saying that. And that was the pivotal moment. Now, of course, for the next few months, it was still emotional. really emotional. And when I went and filed for the paperwork, it's not what I wanted. And it was very emotional. Mm-hmm. It was not easy, but I, I knew it wasn't going anywhere. I yeah. had enough. And do you think that was more about feeling like you failed? No, no. Actually the opposite. I felt like I have done everything in this marriage that I can do. I'm out. Gosh, that is amazing. Seriously. I mean, that's, that's big, a long road. Yeah. Right. Right. And so you finally came to that place where I've done everything I can. I deserve better. I I, I can't do this anymore. I just can't. I just, I did not want to do the cycle thing anymore. I was, Mm -hmm. was sick of it. It was spinning me out. And then with Dennis, you know, it's funny because and I did not share this with you. I don't think I, I, I swear, I guess I'm in my head so much. I think I tell people stuff and I don't, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. I'm becoming much more aware of it. So about 
two or three months before he got the diagnosis, mm-hmm. the, the fatal diagnosis. Um, I was done. No. And I had a plan. And my plan was uh, I was going to save my money up and I was getting out and I was leaving everything behind. I was literally going to go rent a room that had somebody had a bed in it and I was going to sleep in there and I was going to completely start over. Mm. So I had already gotten to the point because his, I could tell stories. I won't bore you with it here. Well, I can share it with you later, but crazy shit that he was doing Mm. really crazy. Mm. And I would actually excuse my French, but I would look at him and say, what the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. Cause it was so crazy. The stuff he was doing. Yeah. So by the time so he got the diagnosis and I go, okay, I put the brakes on my plan. And the idea was let's get him through this, get him healthy. If he's willing to go to counseling, great. If not, I'm out. That was the absolute plan. Well, mm-hmm. unfortunately the cancer, he didn't, get through it. he didn't get through it. You know, it's interesting. Cause when you married him, I remember being concerned about it just leading up to you were the concerned wedding. the whole time, the whole time. And, 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 and just like, he what <laughs> just decisions for the wedding you know and and, and just feeling like it, it was rebound I just I felt like you were still chasing that a little bit oh I was totally chasing the love yeah I was yeah. totally chasing love I still haven't found anybody that loves me at that point at that point well, we can't talk about that now because you have the love of your I have the love of my life he it's, is amazing do you remember do you remember when we were uh shopping for your wedding dress and you said this is too much and I said you have found the love of your life you deserve this because we both, really, cried. we both cried I, because, because, you know, I, I'd watched this, this, you know, all of this and this healing. And here comes this man who says, I'm going to fight for you. Yeah. I love you. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that we can't overcome. Mm-hmm. together. And that's the message he gave you before he married you. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And I just have so much respect for that. I know. I mean, Brian and I both, cause you know, Brian's Brian will, you know, my, my husband will defend me. You, you can do anything to him. He can't do it to me, but you hurt my friends. It's right up there in the same line. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Like he's like, you know, and so when he sees you with Larry, we both feel like she's, there. Yes. she's, yeah. she's arrived I finally, at a place where I deserve this love. Yes. I have this love. And I, I trust it. him. I trust him. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he, he's taught me a lot. I mean, he's been a big part of my healing too, because he comes from a very different background. He sees things different. So I constantly watch and watch and observe how he handles stuff, especially mm-hmm. with relationships. Mm-hmm. He tends to put up with a little too much sometimes more than I would, but he, I go in, I'm learning to not go into everything I can't trust it. I got to look for that thing mm-hmm. to be wrong. Mm-hmm. Instead, he goes into it, you know, pretty trusting. Yeah. I think I'm a little bit more that way. I will trust you yeah. until you give me reason not you to. You do. You do. Until you give me reason not to. You and do. then, you know, we can be done. Right. And, and, and what I'm, the thing I am absolutely working on, it's right in this, this realm right here is it is that thing of, I can't go into every situation of no trust. Does Mm. that make sense? Yes. Suspicious. That's the way to put it. Yes. Suspicious. That's the best way to put it. I can't go into everything suspicious. And I do, because when you zip back to when I was a little girl, I can remember like I would open the front door Mm -hmm. and assess the situation. Okay. Mm -hmm. Who's home? Mm -hmm. Oh, my mom's home. 
what kind of mood is she in? Mm-hmm. Oh, my brother's here. What kind of mood is he? So assess the situation before I even step in. Mm-hmm. So I learned that as part of my foundation. Right. And that is something I'm trying really hard to break right now because it is so embedded in me. But you know, um, I've always had, a. I, I think it's kind of normal. Well, maybe it's not normal. I don't know. I've always had a problem with in what I call inconsistent personalities. Yeah. Well, you can't trust them. You know, when you walk in the door, either, if I know you, you either like me or you don't, and either is, is okay because you have that choice, but you don't get to like me sometimes. And then treat me horribly another time. Like you you walk in the door and and there've been people that you cross paths with like, well, hi, how are you today? And then you get the cold children. Like, yeah, what did I do? Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. And so people like that have always been, it's always been difficult for me. Um, they're unpredictable. You don't know what you're walking into, right? What are you stepping into? Are they a good mood today? Right. You know, there were family members, you know, when I was married that were that way, every holiday was determined about how this person was feeling that time. Right. Well, you did, you did say, you know, you married your family and and I know that you tried to hang on to that original family a little bit uh, from the first marriage and then found that, well, this kind of explains who he was totally, you know, and that, that wasn't serving you anymore. Totally. Yeah. He, you know, I understand the whole dynamic and, um, understand why he's made the decision. It's just interesting when you come from the background that I came from, you know, you have choices in life and you can spend your life being a victim and expecting everybody else to take care of you, or you can put on your big boy or big girl pants and start figuring out, how to do things different. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just like when I'm triggered, I now recognize when I'm triggered, I slow down. I take a breath and I do not react the way my mind is instantly telling me to, because it's always wrong. So can you give me an example of what that, what that looks like? Oh, let me think of an example. Um, well, if I walk an old example, so if I walk in, like your example is great. When you walk into the room and this person is in a bad mood, well, or whatever, they're not reacting to me as you would think as I expect them to be, because I've got a healthy filter on, right? No. And so I walk in with that. (laughs) And then this person isn't reacting the way I expect. So that triggers me. Right. And so then this dynamic starts. Correct. Right. And I'm not instead of going, maybe they don't feel good, or maybe you know, they're just off. Maybe they're just in a bad mood. Mm -hmm. It may have nothing to do with me. Right. It's so right. freeing, but that, you know, it, it, I think, I think it's just so interesting because a lot of people have that. that it's that, true. That, That's true. Like, what did I do? What, you know, right. how, why are you treating me this way? When really it could have absolutely nothing to do with you. Absolutely. Nothing. Nine times out of 10, they don't even recognize that they've done anything right. to you. They don't even know that they looked at right. you a certain way. Right. Cause they probably didn't even notice it was you. Do you know what I mean? Right. I, I have a perfect example of that. And it was, it was, it was kind of um, shocking when the person told me. So it was a, a couple that I went to church with. And apparently this had happened months before I have, I was completely clueless. And I was talking to the wife one day and um, she says, well, you know, her husband, we'll just call him John. Um, John um, is really upset with you. What did I do? Well, you know, a few months back, you walked into church and you sat down, you turned around, you glared at him. 
I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Can you glare? <laughs> I, I could. Ask Corey. That's my son. That's That's <laughs> I have the mom That's look. True. But, but I said, I've never been upset with your husband at all. Like, why would I glare at him? I, I was so stymied, but that shows you it may have been, I was, I turned around and I was looking or and somebody. I, was, I was, you know, I squint cause I can't see real well. And he thought I was looking at him. I mean, that's the kind, so why would you carry that? Why wouldn't he come up and say, Hey, why'd you look at me like that? Like joke around? Like, why does it have to, or address it and just say, Hey, I, that why seems you, odd. What, did I do something to him? I mean, ask, right. I, I, we jumped to conclusions. Right. And he carried that for months. Mm-hmm. And I, if months. I would, how, you know, I'm like, how, how would I have ever known? Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah. I know that's not, and you know, even, even when you do have a healthy filter on, it's hard to accept yeah. that kind of behavior. Right. Right. But, um, but you, you've just come so far in what ways do you feel you're still needing? What do you feel like you still need to accomplish? Well, I don't believe that we ever completely heal. No. Oh, 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 that's interesting. Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. No, Tell me. I, I feel like you're always healing or at least growing. Okay. Yeah. So there's a great measure of healing, but the thing, the thing I look at this and I don't know if I'm right or wrong. I know this to be true for me is that all I know is what I know and I'm changing it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I have measures of healing, but that stuff changed the direction I was going. And it's it, that stuff changed the way I see stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, I I think for the rest of my life, I'm going to be learning how to look at things different and respond different and react different and think different. Everything has to be different. Right. And so I, I think that you're always, um, you always have a measure of healing, Mm -hmm. but healing can turn into growth, Mm -hmm. just turn into growth. Um, but I think that um, certainly I'm getting better about relationships. Um, I'm working on the trust and not allowing myself just to walk into something with just that mindset. Like I'm going into right. it with awareness of don't go into it thinking that people don't like you. Right. Because that was the message. Oh, that's an important one I should share. So I had the belief, and I'm turning this one around, that nobody likes me. Ooh. And you know where it came from? Where? It's a very distinct memory. So I was about 11 years old. And this is really weird. We, my brother and I drove my mom to work because my brother needed the car. My brother was seven years older than me. Okay. So, um, so I can tell you exactly where it happened. I can picture it all right now. But um, we were driving back from my dad, my mom's work. And we were getting along, which we could talk. We could have a conversation like you and I. And then he would snap. Mm. So we're having a conversation and he goes, well, you know, that Barton Dorothy and Bill and Peg, none of the family friends like you, right? You're, you know that, right? And I can remember looking at him and then looking forward and just feeling devastated. I instantly believed him. Wow. I, inst- without question, even knowing who he was yes. and what he was. You still bought in. I 100% bought in and remember, th- I just felt so sad. I didn't cry in front of him. I don't think but I wanted to, because I just think these people are like the world to me. I love them. Mm-hmm. You know, they were like, like Bard and Dorothy Bar, especially he was like my father. He was so special to me. Right. And they didn't like me. Mm. Nobody liked me. Mm. And I had it all backed up with all the proof before that. And then there was 
because I put that filter on, that's mm-hmm. how I looked at everything mm-hmm. that up until, I don't know how many years ago, not that many years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, people do like me. Do you, do you see why? Yes. Do you see yes. that mindset? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I worked through that. And, and I think one of the biggest healings for me is I've been doing EMDR with my therapist, which is a, it's a practice where, um, they basically, it's a practice where they change the way you think about things. Okay. So they, the way of bad memories. What does that stand for? Yeah. Uh, I'm not, no, okay. no, I don't. Right, that's it's, okay. it's an acronym. It is an acronym. I never remember what the whole thing is. Um, but, but what they do is they take a bad memory like that. I actually worked through that memory. Cause like I sat and told you that memory and it doesn't have any effect on me anymore. Oh, that's awesome. Where when I was doing the EMDR, it still, Ooh, it would hit my heart. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it would hit, it would hit. You can still feel the weight. Oh yeah. And I don't feel it anymore. But, um, in that, the biggest thing that came out of that for me was truly in my heart of hearts, realizing that this, the childhood abuse was not my fault. I wasn't a mistake. I wasn't a burden. I wasn't an accident. I was absolutely an on purpose. I have value, you know, but that was big for me. And I actually had a voice and we, we didn't finish on that, on the voice oh, thing. Right. Yeah. Okay. So the voice thing was big as I worked on that in EMDR. So I can just remember like you and I, I, I wouldn't say things to you because they physically wouldn't come out of me. Right. And I remember we were in I, your car one time. We, and you actually said that to me. You said, I can't, I can't make it come out. Yeah. It was, that was, I think that was just before that I had realized that words were getting stuck in my throat, literally physically getting stuck in my right. throat. And we were having a conversation and you asked me something and it just, it would not come out. No, I remember because you teared up. I did. And you said, you said the words won't come. Right. Like they won't come out. Right. And I, I could just see that, that there was like pain with that. Yeah. Like I, I, like, it was almost like you were saying, I, I want to share this with you. Totally like it's important to me, but I can't physically do it. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't. And the same thing happened with Larry. We were, we were sharing something and, and it, it was something that was, uh, I wanted to share. It was something vulnerable mm. and it would not. And mm. I'm looking at him. He's like, just say it. And I'm like, it won't come out. It mm. won't, it's stuck. And so, um, it was over time that I being aware of that, first of all, was huge. Right. I mean, I think that for growth or healing awareness is number one, right? You have to be aware. Right. And so be realizing that and looking at you and saying, it won't come out, Liz, it won't come out. I had to work on it. And I, and, and so much of that is because when I had a voice, I got hurt, mm-hmm. I got hurt mm-hmm. and, and, and I still struggle with sometimes being honest, cause I might hurt you. Then you're going to run away. And then I'm not going to have a friend anymore. You know, like that whole scenario goes in my head. If I say something to you and I offend you, you're just going to walk away from me. Oh my goodness. That it, it's, there's never like this little, we have a little kerfuffle and then it's okay. Yeah. You're, in you're my never a hundred percent comfortable. No, because I might hurt you and then you're going to abandon me. Oh my goodness. It goes that far. Yes, I know. I know. I know and it does. It's not near as intense. No, it's not near as intense. You've done better. <laughs> You've done better. I'm working on it still. <laughs> I can always tell when it when it's up though because I'll, I'll say, "And when did this happen?" Yes. <laughs> and you finally have disclosed it. So I know. I can tell that that there's some of that still. That it's you know. I mean, there's still. I think you're right. I think you're still, uh, you know, going through and healing and growing mm-hmm. and learning and. Mm-hmm things that we should all be doing regardless. Right. 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 Growing and learning. Right. 
Um, I think that that's really, really important, but yeah. And now we're at a place in our relationship. It's like, okay, she'll tell me when she's ready. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're not, and now that you're understanding me more, yeah, it's like, I've said that how many times I said that when you know someone's heart, right. When you know their heart, when they go off and they do something that's out of the ordinary, you don't have to get all offended and butthurt and, you know, it's just like, Mm -hmm. okay, something's going on. She needs a minute or maybe whatever, right. You know, and giving the grace and the voice also that I had to get out of my head was my mother's voice mm. because I, for years abused myself. Okay. What does that mean? How? Oh, I was my worst critic. Mm, yeah. Well, I was vicious on myself and I think back on it and I just, it almost brings me to tears thinking about how mean I was to myself. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you in the EMDR, how I got the voice. This is really interesting. So in EMDR, you go back and you kind of, you rethink about that moment that's hitting you and you rethink about it and you rethink about it and, and you're doing some stuff and then you work through it and then you put a positive, you work that out and then you put a positive thing in and in it. So one of the times, and this is different for everybody. This just worked for me. Okay. But, um, I would put myself in situations where I was actually confronting them, but I was confronting them like how Liz confronts them. Oh goodness. I learned a lot from you. (laughs) I did. I gave him a lot of grace and I asked a lot of questions and I walked him through stuff. So for instance, the one, uh, which memory should I use? So, well, the memory of my brother jumping over the couch and choking me, um, I stood up and went off on these people but I didn't like cuss them out or, but it was just like, what is wrong with all you people? Did did you just see what happened? Are you going to do, you know, like I had a voice for little Lisa. Uh. I came along little Lisa because there was one story where, where the therapist was like, well, why don't you confront your mom? And it was like, uh, like this fear rose up. I'll get hurt. She said, well, what about big Lisa coming along little Lisa? And that was the game changer. Do you know, I've heard that. Okay. So I never knew that it was I'm going to say that initials wrong, the EMDR, EMDR that you're doing now, but, but someone actually said that to me that, um, you know, uh, we're joking about why I'm so driven and why, <laughs> you know, why Liz doesn't have cruise mode. Right. Um, and, and we were talking about that very thing. And I relayed the story that, you know, about me, uh, from when I was younger and in a moment in time where at six years old, I decided that I had to have the answer and that I had to be right. Yeah. And that, you know, I was always going to be ahead of everybody else. I'm going to know it before they need me to know it. Right. 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 And so that was something that came to me and he goes, you know, maybe you need to have a little a conversation with that little girl. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Like, what are you crazy? Yeah. And, and, and the gentleman that shared it with me, um, you know, is a psychi- a psychology degree. And, mm-hmm. and he said to me, he says, I've got a little dog. He says, oh. and when my rage comes up, you know, I just pet that little dog and talk to that little dog. There you go. That's his thing. Right. And, and it just seems so out there for me. Yeah, I know. So logical. Right. Right. You want me to talk to that little person. Right. Right. Um, and, and it it's, I think that's an exercise that I've never been guided through. It right. was just mentioned to me. So what you're talking about is familiar to me only because somebody mentioned to yeah. me, 
that that that's that's a, a process that people can use right. or a, but i think i think you need to be guided through it because i yeah because I, there's no way there's no way i i would have to be guided to that for yeah, sure yeah and everybody's is different like for me what what i realize is that little lisa wasn't protected nobody right. protected me nobody came alongside and then when she turned into an adult the adult lisa abused little lisa Mm, blame little Lisa blamed her. And, mm. and, you know, if, if I made a mistake, it was a rundown of what my mom used to do, mm -hmm. uh, more than chastising, but just verbally beating myself up mm -hmm. and being so hard on myself to the point I bring myself to tears, like thoughts of why am I here? Oh, it, it, it went deep. It's debilitating. It's debilitating. Mm -hmm. it, it really is. And so learning to protect her and coming alongside her that's healing that's healing because you give power to that right yeah. and protecting her right. i'm the only one that came along and protected her right me mm -hmm. nobody else was doing it right right and you had to come to that place yeah so that you can and and now you're turning this into can we talk about turning this into yeah. something really positive yeah. for you? Yeah. Because I understood your statement in the beginning. Like you go through things and you don't like, I know you and I both have really strong faith. Yeah. That that's not religion for people in the audience. Right. That's faith. Right. Um, and that, and that I do believe that everything, it, it seems like such a trite statement. Everything happens for a reason. We just don't know what that reason is. Right. Right. In time. And so you now have found your purpose mm -hmm. and you couldn't have, and, and it's a purpose that's going to fill you. Right. And that we've been talking about for how many years, a long time, just going into, into doing this in mm -hmm. some way, shape or form. And, and you will now be able to turn that into some positive energy yeah. to help other people through, mm -hmm. because I think that there's therapy and I think that there's work that has to be done. And I think that there's lots of people with degrees that will tell you how to do it, but I think your experience, mm -hmm. right. will you'll be able to empathize right. and walk through it, right. that it's okay to feel this way, maybe that. Right. So, so how do you think you're going to share that with people? That's, I guess, where we land with this is, is, you know, how do you see yourself in these people's lives? Well, I'll tell you, my goal is to shorten people's pain. Oh, oh, that's amazing. Shorten people's pain. I love that. Yeah. That, that really, when you say that, that's the very first thing that comes to my mind is to shorten their pain because I had so many years of pain and I had to fumble through it and fail and succeed. And, you know, and if I can help someone get the right perspective of who they are and not because of what happened to them mm -hmm. and really teach them their, who they are. Mm -hmm and reduce that pain. And they're not spending 30, 40, 50 years trying to figure this thing out. Mm -hmm. That is, that is what the reason why I'm doing this. That's why I'm putting myself out there. I'm sharing my story that I've never shared with anybody. Right. Right. Except for therapists. Right. I didn't even realize I didn't even share it with everything. You know, I didn't even realize I hadn't. Correct. Correct. And so many people that know you would not have any clue. That is so interesting. See, I, it's, it's so interesting to hear your side of it. Mm-hmm. It's yes. so interesting. They would never have any clue. I mean, people that you in, in the last job that you have, there's so many people there that would never know. Yeah, that's true. They would never know because that's not who you are. It's not who you present. It's not to my the identity. Mm -mm. You are not a victim. Mm -mm. You're a grown woman who is taking control mm -hmm. of 
this pain and putting it where it belongs right. and healing it and right. just doing some really great work. You know, what helped me with my parents and really deeply forgiving them and understanding them mm. is over the last probably, what was it, year or so, I have found so much. I mean, I already knew my dad's story. I knew my dad was severely abused by his father and left home when he was 14. And that's why he thought I should just quit my schooling ah. at 16 because he was successful at 14 and didn't do high school. Um, and I, so that understands that explains a lot of his behavior, the hiding. As soon as my brother things got escalated, he got triggered clearly and he went and hid because that little boy in him was just in fear. Mm -hmm. And my mom is the one that I found out so much information about. And I, it really gave me insight on her and she, at a young age, her mother wasn't married and she lived with, my mom lived with her grandmother for a few years. Her mother ended up getting married several times, had several children come to find out there's at least two kids that we know of that were adopted out. I don't know if my mom knew about them. So my mom had this childhood that was completely unstable. I'm sure there was abuse. I mean, abuse was worse then when she was young than when we were young. And so I understand. And my mother hated her mother, mm. hated her mother. There was a lot of anger in my mom and I get it, mm -hmm. you know, again, separating the who from the do. Right. Mm -hmm. um, um, I still struggle with that. I still get mad at her when something comes up in me that I'm like, you know, it's just like, my mom never taught me how to be a girl. Mm. She never taught me how to, this is going to get a little explicit, but even when I started my period, I didn't know what a tampon was. I didn't know how oh. to put it in. She didn't teach me. I had to learn by myself, right? You know, she didn't teach me the things to be a woman. <laughs> she didn't, she would tease me instead, you know, but I think there's a generation, that's a little bit generational. Probably my mother handed me a book and the book was called, I'll never forget it. How do I tell my daughter? <laughs> that's the name of the book. I'm not going to read it to you. I'm just going to give it to you to read. Read it. Maybe you have any questions. Let me know. But she wasn't really encouraging the question. So just read the book. I just will never forget that. It is because there's a lot of quiet, you know, there's like, and, and the kids are seen and not heard. And, you know, it, and now it they're taking their daughters to Victoria's Secrets when they're 12, you know, they're wearing very different, makeup, they're very wearing different world. <laughs> yeah. It's a very different world. So yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. We, we are in facing a different generation, but I, unfortunately for us in this, in this world, we still have people in pain and we, we still have people that, that, uh, I'm, I'm excited for you to get this message out because I think yeah. there's so many people that you could help. I hope, uh, with this, I'm just watching your journey. It's been amazing. I know. And it's been amazing having you all yeah. for the ride because <laughs> you put up with some stuff that nah, nope, it never felt that way. Never felt like it was a burden. Always felt like, uh, well, you know, my own mission in life, right. If I could just make a difference, then that's what I wanted to do and for you. you. Do. You yeah. did. And you do. I love you. I love you too. <laughs> thank you for letting me share this with you. Oh, thank so you. I, know, I know. It's so fresh that I wouldn't share it with anybody else. You're the best person to do this with. It's mm, awesome. I can't wait to see how this goes. I know.